Hey friends, welcome back to the No Wrong Turns podcast. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Audrey Lee Hickman Hunter. The No Wrong Turns podcast talks to people about their story and their passions. It aims to see how their passions have evolved and grown throughout their story. Friends, I wanted to take this moment to check in with you all and see how you're doing. Since our last podcast, I was able to finish watching the three Instagram lives by at Oh Happy Danny that I had chatted about in the last episode. From those episodes, those Insta lives that I watched, I was able to chat with two different friends and have two um, different conversations to kind of just unpack and discuss the different ideas that we had heard about and learned about in those Insta lives. And in my conversations with my friends, we chatted a lot about what our sphere of influence is and ways that we can affect change and be advocates for black lives in our own lives, in our own context. Another idea that came up was the idea of implicit bias, meaning the attitudes and stereotypes that we have without realizing it. This is an area that in both conversations I had, we agreed that we definitely need to do some more research and investigation on how best to unlearn the implicit biases um, that we all may have. So I wanted to chat with you and ask, what are you all learning about? Our No Wrong Turn social media manager, Olivia, has been posting a lot of different resources for further learning and for taking action steps forward. So I'd encourage you all to check that out. Listeners, welcome to our 16th episode. Crazy. Today on the podcast, we have my friend David Loke on the pod. David and I met in college at good old Mother Moody, Moody Bible Institute. And David was actually on the same floor, Colby 10, that Nate from episode 13 was on. So some of you may have heard how Nate and I met. It's a very similar story to me meeting David as well. But for those of you who didn't hear it, essentially, we were paired up. Our floors were brosis floors where there's a guy's floor and a lady's floor that were linked up and we had mandatory hangout sessions where we played, you know, get to know you games. And then in the cafeteria, we had a, a... table where we was just designated for us all to sit at so I met David through uh, the brosis floor so shout out to you Colby 10 I'm so glad you are a brosis floor and throughout my time at Moody David I remember I always remember David just like tinkering with something techie from talking about drones and to creating his infamous digging dog video which you'll hear more about later on in the interview Today on the episode, David gets to share his story about growing up in Cincinnati and about his love for reading self-help books and his love for being an icy man, which I'll share more about it later on in the interview. David shares his story about how when he graduated from college, he really had no idea what he was going to do and no clue direction on a career that he wanted to be really passionate about. He had a lot of interests and hobbies that he enjoyed, but he was still just kind of searching for a career that encompassed those. On today's episode, David will kind of walk us through how he's able to identify his passions and how he used those passions to create his own business. You're for sure going to want to lean in and not miss hearing about how David pursued his passions and developed them into a business. No matter if this is your story and you can relate to him or not, I believe that there is something in this episode for you. Also, a quick note, David and I recorded this podcast a few months ago, so you might hear us reference some time or months in the future in a conversation that have already passed. So just a quick note, but still a great conversation nonetheless. All right, here's my conversation with David. Welcome to the No Wrong Turns podcast. Today on the podcast, I have my friend David Loke. I know him from college, from good old Mother Moody. Welcome to the show, David. Thanks, Audrey. I really appreciate you having me. Awesome. So can you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are, where you're from, maybe a fun fact or two so we can get to know you? Yeah, yeah, I'd be happy to. So a little bit about myself. So I currently, I'm in Cincinnati, Ohio. This is where I grew up. Had a pit stop in Chicago for four years where we met. And I also had a pit stop in Nashville, Tennessee for around three and a half years before moving back home to Cincinnati, Ohio. I have a lovely wife. Her name's Amy. 
were obsessed dog parents with our dog, Doug, <laughs> and we're expecting our first child in the end of April. So got a lot of changes going on right now, but um, really enjoying life. Awesome. Do you think Doug is going to be a little bit jealous of baby Loke? Oh, yeah, yeah. We're definitely nervous about that, too. We're not sure how he's going to respond because he doesn't necessarily like kids. <laughs> oh, no. But we think he'll be okay. He'll get used to kind of being second string. Yeah. Do you have any fun facts you can tell us? Fun facts. Let's see. That's a great question. <laughs> I'm not really that fun. <laughs> I like, it's not even fun. I like to read. Two years ago, I read 93 books in one calendar year. It's kind oh of a fun fact. Oh my goodness. Do you have a favorite genre? Yeah, I love self-help. Oh, Self-help, you know, kind of like the young professional, that sort of thing, business, entrepreneur books. So do you read all of those books cover to cover or are you kind of skimming through for like no, stuff for yourself? They're cover to cover. Most, I'd say probably 80% were audio books that year. I had a oh, long okay. I had a long commute and a job where I snuck in some headphones. <laughs> <laughs> so, I got to listen all day and learn and I just loved it. So, kind of a learning information junkie. It's not super fun fact, but it's kind of what came to mind first. Awesome. All right. So, can you tell the listeners, I know you said you're from Cincinnati, but can you tell us a little bit more about how you grew up? what kind of community you grew up in, and any growing up highlights that you want to tell us about? Yeah, so I grew up in suburbia, so just a little suburb right outside Cincinnati. So I'm from a household where my father worked, and my mom stayed at home to raise us. So I am the baby boy of the family, and I have two mm -hmm. older sisters, and we're all two years apart. Great childhood growing up. We did a lot of trips and traveling as a kid, so I'm really thankful for all the experiences I had going to multiple states different countries as well. I got to go to Costa Rica and Puerto Rico, which was really cool as a kid and just really thankful for my parents and the upbringing that I had. So in a middle-class household and both my parents are believers. So faith has always been something that's been a part of our family and my identity for as long as I can remember. And that's just been such a great thing for my life that I've been able to have that spiritual influence in my life from such a young age all the way up to currently today. Awesome. So when you were growing up, did you have any things that you were like super interested in, either sports or clubs or hobbies? Yeah. So growing up as a kid, I did all the typical sports. I did basketball, baseball. I ran track in high school for one year. I did track in middle school. So I did a lot of the sports, but I was never super passionate about one particular sport. I loved football. I never played football. I was never big enough or athletic enough to excel in any of, those, any of the sports. So I just kind of was like, yeah, you know, somebody else is better. <laughs> What's the point? Too much work, that sort of thing. Yeah. And then in regards to hobbies, I never would say, like as a kid, I loved cars and trucks. I loved to play with cars and trucks. And I love trains and basically anything that was like stereotypical boy, construction mm -hmm. equipment, whatever. Like I flocked to that and gravitated towards it. But in regards to hobbies, I wouldn't say I really had any specific hobbies growing up as a kid. And I think that kind of factored into later on too, which we can talk about, but not knowing what I wanted to do when I grow up, grew up or what I wanted to be. Like I never mm -hmm. felt like I wanted to be a president or doctor or computer hacker or, you know, police <laughs> officer or anything. Yeah. So. I enjoyed a lot of everything, but I never really kind of honed in on one specific thing and got really passionate about it. Hmm. Interesting. So then when you were in high school, as you were kind of coming junior, senior year, I'm sure you're kind of thinking about what is the next thing that you're going to do. And probably your parents also trying to help guide you to figure out, are you going to go to college or like a trade school or start working? What was your mindset or your thought process when you were deciding what to do after uh, high school? That's a great question. So growing up, my dad was really successful in the workforce. So he was a president of a company. And I think I just naturally thought I would follow in his footsteps, go to a school, get a, you know, an engineering degree or maybe even something in sales, marketing, that sort of thing that I would just you know, fall in his footsteps because that's what I knew, right? Mm -hmm. You just kind of absorb things from your parents and your upbringing. So I think we naturally got some of those leadership abilities and characteristics from my dad that made him so good at his job and to excel. So 
with that being said, again, that kind of fit into the whole, well, I didn't really have any hobbies. I wasn't super passionate, but, you know, kind of have this knack of we have some leadership traits and capabilities and maybe public speaking and just all these different things from my father that I was like, well, I'll just probably do that too. So that was junior, senior year. I was like, well, I don't really know, but that's just probably the course of my life because this is what my dad did. And, you know, uh-huh. what I know, right? You just kind of do and gravitate towards what you know and what you're comfortable with. Nobody really likes to be uncomfortable maybe, or um, just kind of pushed out of your comfort zone. So that was kind of what was going on. But around that time too, which is how you and I end up meeting at Moody is I did grow up in a Christian household my whole life, but I was also wondering, well, what do I believe? My parents believe this, you know, we go to church and they say this, I believe it, but why? What's the meaning besides my mom and dad told me to, or the Bible says so? I really want to know more for myself. Is this what I believe and why? And I wanted to study that. So I kind of had this ministry thing kind of going in one corner too in my life of probably going to do business world someday out of college. But in the meantime, I want to learn about my faith too. And my dad went to Moody for a year. And so he still has his friends to this day, a good group, four or five guys that they meet every year. And growing oh, up as a kid, awesome. yeah, yeah. And growing up as a kid, I always looked up to that. Like, I want friends like that someday that I can, you know, go to school and have such an impact with them. Like my dad did that in one year that they still meet in their 40s, 50s and 60s all those years later. So that always kind of left a mark on me. Like, I got to check out Moody and see what they're all about and, you know. How do I get these good friends? Because in my life, we transitioned through different churches. And I wouldn't say I really had great best friends. I knew a lot of people, had a lot of friends, but felt like there's this disconnect between like I went to a public school and I had those friends and I had church friends and they never really overlapped. And people were kind of heading in all different directions. And most of those were directions I didn't want to go in. So I was kind of looking for that out too, like, oh, you know. If I do a Christian school, maybe I can build that community that I've always wanted, that I, you know, been yearning for and just haven't had the ability to establish so far in my, you know, adulthood. Yeah. So did you go to Moody right after high school or did you have a gap year? Yeah, no. So I graduated high school and then went right into Moody as a true freshman. And yeah, I was really fortunate to be able to get into Moody because back then, at least it was harder to get into school. And my prospects weren't looking too good if it wasn't Moody. I'll put it that way. (laughs) Yeah, it wasn't really challenging to get in for me as well. I was waitlisted and didn't get accepted until like July before I went that August. Yeah, it's insane because, I, I mean, you were there too, but it's always like, well, there's six people waiting to come in if you don't or whatever. They kept kind of yeah. beating over our heads. Were you dating Amy at the time when you came to school? Yes. So that's a great question. Amy and I went to prom. So my wife, Amy, and myself went to senior prom together. We both went to different high schools, but we were friends through church. That's how we initially met in youth group at church, maybe sophomore or junior year. So mm-hmm. senior year of high school – we go to prom together as just friends for her prom at school. And um, that summer, we definitely developed into a relationship. But with college coming up, we were kind of like, well, this is more me than her. She'll tell you she wanted to date me. But I was kind of like, this is kind of our last chance for a fresh start. I kind of <laughs> want to go into college without, you know, like a complete, you know, slate, right? Like a clean yeah. slate. Like I'm not bringing anything from my past in here. And like, yeah. so that's kind of how we ended it. It's kind of like, we'll see like at break or whatever. It wasn't mm-hmm. so I could go date somebody else or anything like that. It was just in my mind mentally, I was like, I want one clean slate again. This is it. You're having a big transition, you know, nothing from the past necessarily just, you know, really a true fresh start because different city. I didn't know anybody there. So I was really looking forward to that just kind of mentally. Mm-hmm. And it's like, as soon as I step foot on campus, I was like, oh, man, I'm a complete idiot. What did I do? Like, <laughs> I need to call that girl up and ask her out. We need to make this official, and I need to lock her down. So so we technically didn't start dating till that fall when I was home on fall break because I wanted to ask her in person. But um, yeah. quickly I realized that was a really stupid thing to do in the gem that I had waiting for me at home. So Totally agree. Amy is really awesome. Yeah, yeah, she is. I can't say enough good things about her. So I'm truly blessed to have her in my life. So you started at Moody and what was your major? And because I'm pretty sure 
everyone has to come in with some kind of idea, but can switch once you're in there. Yeah, that's a really good question. I'm not sure I remember. So <laughs> I either was communication the whole time. Okay. Or I think I may have just put biblical studies, which is funny because we all get a biblical studies degree anyway. So I yeah. was I was a biblical studies, biblical studies <laughs> yeah. coming in. But I think I just did that because I was like, I'm not sure I know. But in my mm -hmm. mind, I knew I always wanted to do communication because I knew I didn't want to go into ministry as we know it today. I didn't want to be a missionary, a pastor or a youth pastor. I felt like that was my only three options there. Mm -hmm. So communications is what I ended up landing on, but I think maybe going into it, it was biblical studies, biblical studies. Gotcha. <laughs> a BS and a BS. <laughs> a BS and a BS. Awesome. So then you somehow transferred to communications or realized communications. And did you have anything during college years that really kind of stood out to you and kind of helped guide your passions or develop any passions for you? Yeah, that's a great question, too. Honestly, what stood out in the college years for me was all the biblical Bible classes that I took. But I guess that kind of contrasts that with communications. I'm not trying to rag on the degree there, but what I realized really early on in that, that program at Moody, specifically at my time there, was everything I'm going to learn, honestly, is going to come outside of the classroom on my own time. Most degrees are probably like that, but we didn't really get a lot of like training on how to do Photoshop, how to build a website, how to edit video. We got some critique and feedback from the stuff that we produced. But in regards to the specific skills, that was all me having to learn on my own. So really quickly, I kind of figured out what I really liked in the program because I could find myself spending time doing that just for fun, you know, on my own, not getting paid, not because there's a homework assignment, that sort of thing, where yeah. I kind of go in the opposite direction with the biblical stuff that we all got. That just was really formative to me in helping me understand my worldview in the process, you know, what I truly believe and kind of sort out everything into logical compartments. Okay. Well, I remember you would make different videos uh -huh. and just funny videos of like our friends or one video, have to bring it up, Digging Dog. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah, you posted and you're dog. like, look at all these views it's got. And then... You told me that you posted that part two of that and you got a ton of views, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we were, we were laughing. Digging dog is the OG video for me, I guess. And it, <laughs> I think I looked two months ago, it still had like a thousand views and I'm convinced that Moody had had a thousand views. So I don't think anybody's watched it since. Except then. for me, the three times I've watched since. Yeah. Yeah. And then I did, this is, this is important for later on in the story for what I'm doing now, but after digging dog, I was kind of joking. I did a video, I called it fishing dog. And then my biggest video diving dog is my sister-in-law's dog jumping off this 12 foot dock. And it's actually really impressive. She's a German shepherd. She's a bruiser. And then that video blew up and it has over 14 million views to this day. And that just blows my mind that I produce something, this little minute and a half, two minute video and 14 million people. Okay. Some people probably watched it more than once, but what, if we're being conservative, 10 million unique individuals, 15, I don't know, 12 million watch yeah. that video. That just is so mind blowing to me, just the power of the internet. And it's just, it's just so wild <laughs> that, that, that that can happen. And you just put it out there and it just gets a mind of its own and just, yeah, it's just really amazing. Yeah, that's so crazy. It is because we started with digging dog and <laughs> diving dogs. The well, just, I remember we thought that was so cool. Like, Everyone's watching this. And yeah, now like I, fourteen million. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah I, I remember this day when digging dog went from you know the fifty people I knew that watched it to a thousand views. I was like, this is awesome. Like, this is amazing. Yeah, everybody's watching it. Did you see it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So when you were about to graduate from Moody at the end of your time there, did you have your next steps thought out or were you just going to go home and kind of take a couple months and try to find a job or what, what were you thinking next? Yeah, I had a lot of anxiety um, graduating Moody because and how my department was with communications, they kind of made you into something at the end. So you had to do like a final capstone project and presentation and, and declare what you were. So people would stand up and say, I'm a photographer, or I'm a videographer, or I'm a video editor, or I'm a 
publicist or I'm a radio host. And you, people went on and on about all these things. And I was, kept there going like, I don't know what I want to do. I haven't found it yet. I don't know what I want to do. I don't feel like I fit in. I'm glad I got my theology, my biblical studies there. And, you know, the communications program is what it is. I was just like, I don't know what I want to do. So I was overwhelmed leading up to that where I was trying to find a job. I had one offer for a job back home that I'd worked in the summer in the past, but I knew I didn't want to do that. So it's just this tension of, I don't know. I really don't know what I want to do. I haven't been able to tell anybody that since, you know, freshman year in high school. And people ask me, I always say, I don't know. I don't know what I want to do. I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. And I've never had a good answer. So I was like, okay, when I graduate Moody, I'm just so glad I don't have to go to school again. <laughs> like yeah. I, that was the first thing I knew I'd, I wanted to do after I graduated. I'm never going to school again. <laughs> or if I am, I'm only going for something I really know I want to do. Okay, I want to learn a trade. Well, I'll go back to trade school then, or I want to get a master's, but I got to know a master's in what, and how's it going to help me down the line? I don't want to just do endless education for no reason and you know spend all this time and money and, and brain power doing that. So I was like, I'm going to just go home. I'll apply for jobs. Just kind of take some time off and, and see what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And while all that was going on, I remember ordering this in my dorm room as a graduation gift to myself. But <laughs> in 2013, I was hooked on these YouTube videos of people flying this white drone in the air. And I was like, this is so cool. So fast forward to 2014, I'm about to graduate. I'm like, I got to get one of these and just see. Maybe this is what I want to do you know, when I grow up and when I graduate. So it kind of combined all my passions together in that communication space. So these drones could have, you could put a camera, a GoPro on them so I could do photos and videos from the air so I could create content, which is what I like to do. They weren't like they are today, straight out of the box where you could go to Best Buy and pick one up and it's, you know, flying with your iPad. So in high school, I guess one of the things I knew I was good at, but necessarily didn't develop as a a true hobby or thing was that I've always been good with electronics, repairing Xboxes, Playstations, all that sort of stuff. And I loved repairing computers and upgrading computers and all that. So when this drone came on, uh, came online and you had to solder stuff together on the motherboard to make the video transmission work, I was like, this is oh, so cool. Wow. This is the first thing that in my life combined five or six things I liked. So I was like, I'm buying this. I got it delivered to my house. And when I graduated, it was re- waiting for me and I was eagerly you know, anticipating going home and doing that. So that summer, I kind of built my first business, which was a complete flop and failure. But I had a drone company where I would shoot photos and videos for people. But it was just too new of a technology. And I didn't know how to market myself and all these other factors. It was kind of like, well, it's worth a try. But I don't know. I just kind of discovered pretty early on that this wasn't the avenue to make money with a drone, at least in that time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was kind of what my summer looked like in my early transition after graduating college. Nice. So you got your drone, you figured that out, did your soldering. And then what was the next step for you? The drone business didn't quite work out as you thought. So yeah, um, where did that leave you? I'm assuming yeah. your parents were going to keep supporting you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Left me in my parents' basement being a mooch. No, no, they're so gracious and they they would never boot me out of the house or anything. But they definitely would have started to charge me rent and stuff, <laughs> <laughs> which is good. They should. And healthy boundaries. But right around that time, this was a fall. And so out of the blue, I just got a call from a buddy from church and it's like, hey, my company's hiring. And I was like, well, that's awesome. Thanks for thinking of me. I appreciate it. Where are they hiring? Oh, in Cincinnati. And I was like, well, that's cool, but I just decided I'm going to move to Nashville to be closer to my future wife, Amy, because she graduated school down there and she stayed down there because she got a teaching job. So I knew the way our, our relationship was progressing, we were going to get married. So I wanted to at least be in the same city with her now that we were not, you know, dating long distance. Mm-hmm. So he was like, oh, well, let me see, a, you know, I'll see if they have an, an office or a branch down there. So sure enough, they did. And I was like, he told me that, but he wasn't sure if they were hiring. And I was like, well, hey, can you give me the branch manager's number? I'll give him a call. I'd love the introduction. So long story short, but that actually is what got me down to Nashville. So I got a job at a company called Gray Bar Electric, and I was in their sales training program. So they're an electrical distributor. So kind of like a Home Depot for commercial contractors. So they're not residential. They're all commercial. Okay. Yeah. So that's a huge pivot from going to Bible college and getting a communications degree, but it fit with what I kind of thought my life would be in regards to that was in the sales, kind of the corporate world. So it was kind of my foot in the door for that arena. And also a little bit techie with uh, yeah. your drone. 
and computer video kind of things that you had yeah. already done before. Yeah, exactly, because that company, they distributed electrical supplies and communications equipment. So I gravitated right away towards the comm data side because I knew a lot about some of that stuff just from my own geeky experience growing up. Mm-hmm. So how long, I mean, I, I know, spoiler alert, you don't still have this job. How long, <laughs> how long did you last there, one might say? So I, last, I lasted there around a year and a half, and I'm really grateful and thankful for that company and the experience that it gave me. I learned a ton. I grew a lot. And honestly, because of that job, I learned right away I was not cut out for the nine to five world. That was not a life that I enjoyed at all. So that kind of really made me rethink, well, what do I want to do next? And, oh man, if I don't want to do nine to five, how am I going to make a living? What am I going to do? You know, I want, I'm getting married, you know, kids, mortgage, cars, whatever, like all that stuff gets really overwhelming really quick. But mm -hmm. on that note, it was depressing for me to sit in my cubicle all day thinking, okay, all right, I make $19 an hour, whatever, 42 grand a year, whatever it was. And it's like, well, this is depressing. I, and then you see your paycheck and then you're like, well, man, I'm never going to do anything that I want, right? I want a, I want a house or a vacation home or any of those things. It's like, how are you ever going to get there? So when you're just bored in your cube and you crunch these numbers, you're just kind of thinking, man, I got to do something differently. This isn't for me. <laughs> yeah. And on that note, I didn't like a lot of what I was doing day in and day out either. So it just wasn't the industry I was cut out to be in. So what helped you move on to the next thing or what opportunity got presented next for you? Yes, that's a great question. So it all kind of developed as I progressed through the training program. They weren't really sure what to do with me. <laughs> they were going to move me inside sales. And I was excited about that, but it wasn't happening fast enough. And I was bored. And honestly, what I've learned at this company, and this is probably just um, not just reflecting on them, but just probably corporate America as a whole, a lot of people there are really stagnant and content with what they're doing and they're not growing. So mm -hmm. I, I don't know why at this stage of my life, and I'm still in it, I guess, where I just love to grow and learn. And I felt like I was being surrounded by people that didn't like to grow and learn. And it was really bumming me out. And it was just really kind of depressing to go to work. And it was sad to see other people that are in their 40s and 50s feel like they're stuck here and this is just the way life is and, and this is they've got to accept their lot and that's that's that and they just punch in, punch out, and that's it. And I'm just like, this isn't a life for me. So when I had all this downtime at my cube, I started to read books. So I was a big fan of Googling a book and finding a PDF version of it to download and read while I was at work. <laughs> so it looked like I was doing something, but also, you know, not. I read a book right away. I don't know how I landed on it. I don't remember if somebody re like recommended it to me, but it's called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I don't know if you ever heard of that book. Never but heard of it. It changed me because it was the first book I read, and, and I didn't like to read it this time. This is what started an awakening in me to be an information junkie. So I learned to read at Moody in the sense of read a lot of books. That was really great. But now I kind of rekindled the passion for reading myself to like learn and grow. So I read mm. this book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and it's not about being like a wealthy dad versus a poor dad in that regards. It's about being rich or poor in your thoughts. And so he just kind of goes through this whole book of, I mean, he talks about finance and money and investing and passive income and all this stuff. And I was like, this guy is literally saying everything that I think in my mind. And I don't know how he knows me, right? Like this is <laughs> it's just, a, just my eyes were open. I was like, there is like, there is a place for me. I fit in. There's other people that get it and they're doing it and they're crushing it. And if that's what I want to be a part of, that this is what I need to pivot my career and my life trajectory to be something different than this nine to five world. I'm just not cut out for it. This is just not for me. So anyways, that started this journey in me of like, I got to get a new job. So I interviewed other places, but again, it was companies like Dell. So I got a job offer from Dell, but that was just a lateral move. And I was like, at that point, why bother, right? I'm just going to get into that job and six months later, be ready to go somewhere else. So yeah. read some other books too and things, but from reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, it got me into real estate. So I was like, I'm going to get my real estate license. I have this time on my hand while I'm at my job. I'm going to start studying and preparing to get my real estate license. So that's what I did. So about a year and a half after starting Gray Bar, I got my license. And two weeks later, I quit. <laughs> I quit. I put my two weeks notice in. Didn't tell anybody I even had my real estate license. So it was a little bit of a shock when I did resign from my job. They're like, real estate? I was like, yeah, I got my license. I kind of felt like I was sneaking around, but the company just went through some layoffs about six months before. So 
I was kind of getting my hand really close to my chest because I didn't know what I wanted to do. And if I, you know, spoke out, I was nervous that I could be the first one on the chopping block just because I'm not as loyal as other people. Also, again, kind of one of these things where I was thinking about, well, you know, nine to five jobs, when the companies lay people off, you know, their stocks go up, right? It's so backwards, right? They trim the fat and then the shareholders are rewarded. So I just kind of felt like a pawn and I'm not bashing corporate America. That's just the nature of business and I get it, but I just didn't want to be a part of that. And so got my real estate license and that was like my year of grad school. So I did real estate for about a year in Nashville and I was just a part of a great company and they were all about learning, growing, self-help, self-improvement, being the best version of yourself. And so it was like night and day transition from my previous stagnant company kind of fixed in its ways to a new real estate startup with really like-minded people that were just passionate about, you know, like I said, wanting to provide the best experience for their customers and to be the best version of themselves. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's really, really great company, great experience. So you were actually showing houses, people signing deals and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah. So they kind of just throw you to the wolves in real estate, at least the company I had. So it was like hit the ground running. I was knocking on doors, cold calling. I called every for sale by owner person in greater Nashville area and was like, hey, can I sell your house? And actually was starting to get some business in the commercial side of things. I was having more success there than residential, but just as, as God would have it in the way things kind of shook out. Not much longer after that, Amy started to not like her job. And we kind of just got to the point where it was like, okay, where they're going to commit to Nashville forever. Cause been here for three and a half years. We found a church, a small group. I just started a new job. You know, that takes a lot of time to build up your book of business. You know, we're either going to go home right now or we're going to stay. It was kind of like, if we're ever going to leave, it's now or never. So kind of cut that real estate story short, but then we decided to move back home to Cincinnati. So I did real estate for a little less than a year and we moved back home. Hey listeners, when you are not listening to the No Wrong Turns podcast, what kind of other podcasts or podcast genres do you enjoy listening to? For me, one podcast genre that I've really enjoyed listening to is true crime, which might surprise some of you. Today, I wanted to introduce you all to this week's sponsor for our podcast, and that is a podcast called True Crime XS. True Crime XS is a true crime podcast about the aftermath of a serial killer's suicide and stories as they arise in investigation into where his potential victim's remains may be found. So this is a lot to unpack. Some of the things that I enjoyed about listening to this podcast was that there are two different narrators at times who have reviewed and researched the case that they are focusing on. The reason why I like that there are two hosts slash narrators um, sometimes conversing is that they both were able to clarify different points and pieces of the puzzle as they're talking through their research and evidence um, and explaining it in the podcast to the listener. And most of the true crime podcasts that I listen to in my feed, they usually are just on a uh, one episode per case kind of basis. In the True Crime XS podcast, they break down a case into multiple podcast episodes. So they're able to give a little bit more detailed look into the nuances of, of the case. And another at- attribute that I enjoyed was the use of actual media soundbite clips that were used throughout the podcast episodes to help me to help give me and the listener a bigger slash more lively picture of the case. You can find this podcast on all the same platforms that you listen to the No Wrong Turns podcast on as well. I would encourage you all to check it out and give this podcast a listen. All right, back to David's story. So you moved back to Cincinnati and did you have another real estate job lined up or what were you guys thinking? Yeah. So from that move, my wife's a teacher, so it was easy for her to transition for a job. So that was kind of our green light. If she got a teaching job in Cincinnati, we'd move back. So she got one right away. So we moved back. I had the luxury then to figure out what I wanted to do again because my real estate license didn't transfer. I'd have to do classes and spend a couple more grand again to get my license. And I was just kind of like, you know, 
I don't really know if I want to do that again because I just poured my heart and soul out for nine months. And then we ripped it out to go to back Cincinnati. And I, had, I learned to start over again, building that book of business. Maybe mm-hmm. it would have been easier because I knew people here and all that. But I was kind of like, I'm just not sure if I'm going to pour all my time and energy into something again. I'm not sure that's what I want to do right now. So we bought a house ourselves and it would needed some work. So mm-hmm. the first thing I did when we came back is she worked and I fixed up the house. So once the house got to a point where it was not taking up much of my time, I decided just to apply at Amazon locally to have mm-hmm. a couple of hours here and there to just kind of make some money back to kind of pay for the expenses of the renovations and, you know, contribute some too. So that's what I did right away while my wife was teaching. Wow. I didn't realize you're a home DIYer, but that makes sense. I could see well, I just that. Like to, I, I just like to tinker with stuff. So I'm always eager to learn and try something new. So I wouldn't say I'm an expert by any means, but I kind of enjoy the challenge. I always have. Awesome. So you were at Amazon kind of part-time at the sorting center. How long were you there for and were you doing anything else at the same time? Yeah. So I was at Amazon part-time for right around two years, which is hard to believe. It's a long time. Yeah, so it was great for what it was in that season of my life. And at this time, this is when uh, Digital David started. So I have a YouTube business, which is what I currently do right now, where I unbox and review products online. Mm -hmm. And that is my primary job right now. And I started that when I was working part-time at Amazon and had more time on my hands because I wasn't fixing up our house with the rest of my week and my schedule. Do you remember the first product you reviewed for Digital David? Yeah. So I got to take you back to 2015 though. So currently this is 2017 right now in life, but my very first Digital David review started in 2015, but it wasn't called Digital David or anything like that. But this is how I got into it. And then when I was working at Amazon, I had time to really pursue that passion you know, with half of my work schedule. So mm-hmm. 2015, to make it quick, my wife and I went to Hawaii for our honeymoon and I love all things snow cones, shave ice, and ices. So people can describe themselves as coffee people or beer people or wine people. I'm an icy guy. So <laughs> <laughs> if there ever was a label, that's that's me. I just love them. And in the big island in Hawaii, I had the best Hawaiian shave ice I ever had. And I was like, oh my goodness, I got to have this again back in Ohio. How am I going to do this? And I saw the machines they had. They're these huge machines. They're like 50 pounds. They have a huge engine on them, and then they spin. It's like a really scary thing. There's a blade, and then there's an ice pick, and you put Gosh. a big chunk of ice on it, and then you put the ice pick down, and then it spins it around the blade, and it shaves off. It's like snow. Like it, That's the best way to describe it. It makes snow. And I was like, this is so good. Hun, I got to buy one of these. So I looked <laughs> online, and they're like 3500 bucks. and I was like, oh, man, I'm not buying that. Who's going to justify $3,500 on a – shave ice machine. (laughs) I'm not turning this into a business. This is just for my own personal consumption. (laughs) But just so happened, I was looking online on these websites. I was like, okay, let me just check Amazon. Amazon's always really good. You never know. So I threw the keywords like shave ice machine, Amazon, and I skipped down past the icy branded ones that are like 50 bucks because I knew what I wanted, right? It had to have this motor, the picks, and use real block ice. And sure enough, I found one for 200 bucks. And I said, that can't be true. This looks just like the one for $3,500. So what did I do? I copied and pasted the title of the product and went over to YouTube and I searched it and I found a video and it was a guy in his basement using one of these. And I was like, cool, let's see, <laughs> click. You know, and the video was terrible. It was like 480p and it was shaky and it was dark. And But what I could tell from the video was it did shave the ice and it looked great. It looked just like what I had you know, experience in Hawaii. So I said, all right, I'm buying this. I have nothing to lose at 200 bucks. So I got Amy on board. I bought the machine and the rest is history. So it came, I had great shave ice. And I told myself once it came, I was going to film a video to help other people. Because at that time in 2015, I had a Samsung Galaxy S4 phone that could record 1080p HD video. And I had a little tripod mount so I could keep it stationary. So As soon as it came, guess what I did? I filmed a video of it, an unboxing and a review to show other people in HD what it was capable of. And long story short, I don't know, a couple months later, that video had like 30,000 views. And I was like, wow, I did not know that many people were looking at this machine. This is awesome. Maybe there's something here. So 
you know, right at that time too, if I can talk about this for one second, it's kind of important though. My sister just started doing stuff on YouTube online. And this is before everything that you experience today with like live streaming and you can tip and give bits and stuff on Twitch. There's all these different ways you can support your creators. Back in 2015, there was not that many ways to do this. So we were talking one day about how do you make money online, ad revenue, and then what else? How do you make a living doing this? And I discovered this program searching with my sister called Amazon Affiliates. Mm -hmm. And basically it's in a nutshell, you each get a personalized link. And if anybody clicks on that link to purchase a product, any product, if, if they just buy it through that link, you get a portion of the proceeds. That could be 1% up to 8% depending on the item and all these other rules. So I was like, well, hey, Julie, I got the best video to try this out on to see if this is even worth your time. So I, I signed up for the program, got approved, and I put this little custom link to the shave ice machine on that, like below the video in the description. And sure enough, within the first week, somebody bought the machine for 200 bucks and I made $8. And I was still working my office job in 2015. So I was still at Gray Bar and I was like, this is awesome. Holy cow. I, this is lunch money today. I didn't do anything. <laughs> I spent, spent one hour on this video and now it has the rest of my life and the rest of YouTube and the internet to make money. So, you know, fast forward the next week, it made another $8 and then another $8. And I was like, wow, what would have happened if I had this link on there for the first 30,000 people that watched it? How many did I sell? You know? Yeah. So fast forward now going back up to modern day, anytime I got like a big item, I'd buy an iPad, a new TV, whatever. I would do an unboxing and review. I didn't have enough time to review everything I got. So I just tried to focus on big and popular items that I thought might get more eyeballs and more views. Mm -hmm. Um, so that brings us back to working part-time at Amazon. I'm back home in Cincinnati. I have some free time. I'm trying to think about this YouTube thing again because now every time I got something on Amazon, I would unbox and review it just to see if I could make that much more money because this all kind of goes back to rich dad, poor dad, where I really wanted to seek out some passive income revenue streams that I could kind of free myself up later on in life just to have the flexibility, the mobility to kind of do what I love as opposed to do what I have to do for work to make a mm -hmm. living. So I was getting these emails from people that I could tell were from Asia and they kind of had broken English. You would typically think they're spam and they kind of had these sketchy requests of, Hey, can you buy this product? Leave a review and we'll refund you. And I was like, I got some free time and I need some content. Like, sure. So I did one of them and I was like, I have nothing to lose. Worst case, I'll just return the item and get my money back. Even if they don't pay me, but sure enough, I did it and it came and then the people paid me money. And I was like, wow, this is cool. This is a real business. I got something going on here. So that one video led to another video, which led to another video, which led to another video. And it just kind of kept growing to what I have today. So can you kind of explain what your platform is? Because it's a YouTube yeah. channel and you are reviewing products. I've seen a couple of your videos and I, I'm just kind of curious because this is your job. So besides yeah. the affiliate links, can you kind of break it down for us? Yeah, I'd be happy to. So shameless plug, Digital David on YouTube. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, WeChat, my website, digitaldavidreviews.com. You can find me basically anywhere online. In a nutshell, though, I unbox and review everyday items on my YouTube channel, and then it's shared on Facebook, Twitter, all those other places as well. I do this full-time. I have a team of seven part-time editors that edit video oh, wow. for me. Yeah, which is really exciting. They're part-time, though, so I have a lot because I try to film a lot in one day, and instead of having one guy do seven videos, it just makes more sense for me to have seven people do one video, so they all come back oh, to me okay, gotcha. within four or five days as opposed to you know, you know, a week or two, however long it takes these people to do that. Cause they're all typically the people that work for me have their own photo and video business and they're in college or just kind of want a side hustle. But yeah, I got, Oh, I was, I was thinking that you were making all of these videos yourself as well. Well, I do. I film every video, but I have other people uh, edit them. Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. It just got to the point where in my own, like for my own business, I have a goal of, I put out one piece of content every day. So I do a new video every day at 5 a.m. Eastern time. So wow. it just kind of got to the point where there was so much demand for my business. And if I want to keep that up, I had to get people to help me. So obviously I'd love to hire real employees and contractors full time and get marketing people and all that. But we're still in the growing pains of a small business. Um, so I have one question for yeah, you really quick. Fire away. You say the demands. Where do you feel the demand coming from? That's what I'm yeah. curious about. 
Yeah, and then we can touch on some of the other stuff you said too if you want to bring those back up. But yeah, so in regards to demand, what I'm realizing in this industry, which we can talk about too, but it's never too late to join and there's enough room for everybody. So that's what I'm finding out online is you never miss the boat or any of that. So since I put one video out, like I said, a couple days later, I'd randomly get an email from somebody else. So then I would you know, answer that email. If it worked out, great, I'd review that product. And, and through slowly doing that, I now have just say 700 videos out there of product reviews. So that's 700 advertisements and touch points for other people to find my videos that sell products online that want them to get promoted. So now I don't even do any outbound advertising. Everything just comes to me through my inbox every morning. So I work with a lot of small businesses, typically out of China, that sell on Amazon in the US and they need somebody to kind of be the brand ambassador, they need somebody to promote the product. They need somebody to troubleshoot the product or show people how to set it up. And that's kind of the value I add to them as well as to the people that are searching for these products online because they want to know more about them. What's in the box? How do you set it up? Does it work? So that's the demand that I get. Every day I get bombarded with re new requests with new people that I've never met before. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Just, yeah. Just through seeing my body of past work online. The best way I can explain it is did a, a Bluetooth headset review. Well, then mm -hmm. a competitor to them noticed the video and then they want it done. And then their competitor noticed the video and they want it done for their product. So, so then all this, those people are emailing you, yes. asking you, do they send your product, the product to you or do you still yes. have to buy it? No, no, no. They send, they send the product to me. So I've transitioned out of that. So all that to say too, business started because I just used to do it for fun and, and free content or free products. And then it became, okay, well now I'm doing this for a job. And then I've been able to get compensated for that too. So yeah, it's really, uh, it's really fascinating. Kind of just wow. landed on it in a, on accident and it's just continues to grow. And I'm just so blessed and thankful for the opportunity. Wow. That's really wild. Yeah, it really yeah. is. That's really crazy. Is there anything that when you were starting out, when you were either maybe in high school or coming out of college or in college that you kind of wish somebody had told you like maybe some advice or just kind of some guidance when you were just starting out and kind of unsure of what you were about to do? Yeah, well, that's, that's really good. Yeah, I mean, I still think I need that advice today, too, because there's just <laughs> so many, so many unknowns and, you know, what direction do you go and what pivots do you make and what's the wise decision and all that. But I would just say for me to hear back then, probably a couple of things. One, I always heard people like were able to just take their hobbies and their passions and kind of make it a living, kind of like a small business owner. And I was like, well, I don't know what I like to do. My passion's you know, in college and a little bit of, of high school was like, I love to buy and sell stuff on Craigslist. So I, I kind of did that as a paid side hustle as a kid. And I was just able to like, identify value. So, oh, this is being sold too cheap. I can resell it. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, but how do I make money with that for a full-time job? And then I like photos and videos and I want to create and all this. And I just was thinking like, there's nothing for me. I don't fit in anywhere. Mm -hmm. What I didn't realize back then that I see now is I was able to take all those talents and, and skills and passions that I had to be able to make this job. Because what I didn't mention too is a lot of the times I get so many items, I don't have room for them. I just sell them online. And guess what I do? I use Facebook and Craigslist to resell them. So I guess to myself or if somebody's listening and you're not really sure maybe what direction to go with your life or what you want to do after college or high school, um, first thing is never stop learning and never be never be complacent and content with where you're at. Don't just get stagnant. So you're never going to get anywhere. You know, if you're not growing, you're dying. Basically, is kind mm -hmm. of the mindset you got to have. That that's really it's kind of black and white. And you got to see it that way. But specifically, like just take comfort in knowing that at some point down the line, you'll be able to piece together your hobbies and passions and talents with a career and with a job that maybe is meaningful to you. That's kind of the best, I guess, the best advice I would need to hear back in high school or, you know, around there. I'm not sure I would have listened to it. I've been like, well, psh, what is this guy talking about? But yeah, yeah. so I would love to have a, a more practical thing. Maybe just we'll just stick with the tagline today. If you're not growing, you're dying. Maybe that would yeah. be a little more harsh, but maybe that would, you know, ignite the fire under somebody to get uncomfortable 
and just keep trying new things and, you know, don't be afraid to do the work and then don't be afraid to do the work for free. So I never really understood that earlier on too. People say, just do an internship. It's so invaluable. Yeah, you need, you need the money and you're worried about the money or the paycheck, or whatever. Honestly, that will take care of itself. So if I can do it, you can do it too. But you never know who you're going to meet mm-hmm. or what you're going to learn that will come back one month, one year, 10 years later, you know, full circle. So I didn't really value back then in high school or Moody as much in college, just having quality connections. I was kind of worried more about, you know, being competent. Do I know everything? Am I smart enough? Honestly, that really hasn't got me very far in life. But the people that I know have helped me tremendously, whether that's people online that are your subscribers and your followers, or it's like my buddy Brian that got me in at Gray Bar. There's always people in your life that you're going to find and identify that will help you in your transition. So always go out and meet new people, be building relationships. They're just so invaluable. So I kind of pivoted there, but that's really crucial too. Yeah, no, I think all of that is really good and important. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, Um, I got one more thing. I got one more thing to add too on that note. My wife and I were just talking about this the other day, but when I lived in Nashville, I really, really, really wanted to work for Dave Ramsey. And I, I didn't know anybody there and I applied online, but you know, you apply online, you're a resume, one of a thousand or 10,000, you're, you're never getting looked at, you know, unless yeah. it's just an, you know, an act of God in that regards. But what, what I kicked myself was I never got to know my neighbors in my apartment complex until later on when I had already chose a different career. And guess what? My neighbor right across worked at Dave Ramsey and it was just like, look, like it was, it was right there the whole time. Like it was right there the whole time you could have had your in. I'm not saying like that was the point of the relationship, but like right. if I would have gotten out of my comfort zone, you know, I, I saw my neighbors all the time. They're walking their dogs. If I was more focused on them as opposed to like my urgent schedule or needs just mm-hmm. to build that relationship, introduce myself, you never know where that stuff leads. So I can think of a lot of examples like that too in my life where after the fact you meet somebody and you're like, oh man, like why didn't I do this sooner? Why didn't I know you sooner? Why didn't I, you know, get uncomfortable. So yeah, it's just really, it's really important. Like I said, focus on your connections. That's the real estate guy coming out me, but focus <laughs> on your connections. Don't worry so much about your skills because most of the skills can be learned and taught. You can't really learn and teach a relationship. You either develop it and you have it with somebody or you don't. So yeah, yeah, just really, really uh, nurture and branch out. Yeah, I think that's awesome. I think also, too, that's just a big cultural point of just being too busy and not being able to stop and say, hi, I'm, you know, so-and-so, I do this or whatever, because that's true. You never know. I know for me, on my block, I live next door to my cousin, and she knows everybody. So through her, I get all the information. So I could probably take that advice, advice, too, to get a little more uncomfortable to meet a couple more neighbors, too. Yeah, you just never know. So uh, again, I'm I'm pointing at myself too when I'm saying this, but I still don't have that master. But I've been trying to be a lot more intentional in my relationships, specifically with my neighbors too, because you just you just never know. So I always love to meet new people. And now I'm trying to be one of those people that connects people together. And it's a little more complicated because a lot of people I interact with now are through email. So there's not that personal physical connection that's just kind of missing, which we can go on that tangent all day too. But, you know, just being friends on Facebook's not enough. (laughs) Totally. So you kind of have a unique passion and a unique job. Not everybody, at least I don't know that many people who have the same kind of job as you personally. So do your friends and your family understand what you do? And do they support you? Are they confused, but still glad to make (laughs) money? Or what are they thinking? Yes. Yes. I'm glad you asked that. So I'll kind of break it off into different segments, I guess. I'd say my friends who know about it. So I'm not even like the people that I'm really close with to know, but if you just follow me on my personal Facebook page, you'll never even know about Digital David. I'm not aware you'd ever know that I do that. I don't share the stuff on personal like profiles. It's all just for my work. But for like my friends in real life, they would know and understand because they're millennials as well, right? So mm-hmm. they grew up with internet or with internet and YouTube and Instagram and you know all that stuff. So they, they get it. 
in regards to the boomers, as we as we like may your say, parents and your in-laws, that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, just think about it this way. So try to explain TikTok to them. <laughs> How do you explain TikTok to somebody that wouldn't even, you know, know any of that, that can barely use Facebook? So all that to say, for my specific parents, they understand completely because my sister crossed this hurdle back in 2015. So she's been doing this for a long time and, and they learned and accepted and understood through her. So now for me, they don't even bat an eye or blink. It's just, you know. She paved my, the way for you. Yeah, yeah. My kids are just part of this YouTube dynasty stuff. It's awesome. <laughs> so they get it. My in-laws would get it as well because I had to explain for years what my sister did. Right. And then one thing I think a lot of people don't understand is the fact that I'm really operating this as a business. It's a passion and it's fun, but it really is a business at the end of the day for me. So I think people are kind of blown away when they come and see my studio space. I work on goals and visions and I have, you know, seven part time people that rally around me and help me get this thing going every day. So I don't think people really realize the scale and then what I hope to do in the future with it. So you know, millennials, they get it. They're not really sure how I make money and you kind of have to explain affiliate links and all that, but they understand. Boomers, whatever, you know, people 40, 50, 60, 70, they'll understand in the sense of like, if you just say, are you making money? Oh yeah. Then they, you know, they get it. But when you try to explain some of the minor details of search engine optimization, you know, hashtag, I mean, all that stuff just kind of gets overwhelming if you're not even familiar. It's like a whole new language. Yeah, definitely. Today at work, I had told somebody who has a very high financial position how to do control F so she could search for something. <laughs> and no. She, when I showed her it, I thought she just thought, oh, yeah, okay. That's what I was thinking that she meant. Like, no. oh, I, for, I remember how to do this now. But then she came to talk to me about something and, and she said, oh, did you study computers when you were in school? And I, <laughs> <this> <laughs> panel, I was like, no, I said, I mean, I'm a millennial, so I kind of know the basics and maybe a little bit more in certain areas. Why do you ask? She goes, wow, that control F. Um, <laughs> trick you showed me has been so helpful. I, I've already used it so many times today. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and I was like, I think she probably is in her 50s, maybe late 40s. And I was just like, wow, I'm so glad I was a uh, able to pass it on. Because she's like the sweetest lady. And it's just crazy. Like just the, the basics, you know, control F. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's just too funny. So maybe you can you can blow her mind with some more Command, keyboard commands if you want. Control B. I'll teach her how to bold stuff tomorrow. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's too funny, Audrey. That's just, but yeah. So, I mean, it, it's really kind of depends on the person, right? So like I met a guy the other day that's a computer programmer. When I told him I'm a YouTuber, he understood. He's in his, he's in his late forties. But again, yeah, you get the lady that's never had a computer till 10 years ago. That's just learning, you know, control C, control F, whatever. Yeah. It's definitely an uphill battle to try to explain that. But on that note, I guess one more thing to touch on in case somebody's listening and is kind of thinking about all this stuff. Mm -hmm. um, we're all created uniquely our, like ourselves. There's nobody else like us in the world. I know that's super cliche out of the seven or eight billion people or whatever, but there truly is nobody like you on the earth. And so all that to say, if you put yourself out there online, there's room for you. So because you're unique and different, there's room to build an audience and a following in a fan base to turn what you're passionate about, guitar, product unboxing and reviews, automobile repair, computer programming, property management, whatever, people will gravitate towards that because they share the same interests. So I know there's a lot of people out there that ask me, well, I wish I would have done that. I'm like, you can still do it. And what I want to say to that too is, you know, the best time to start would have been 10 years ago, but the second best time to start is today. There's no in-between. It was either 10 years ago, okay, everybody missed it. Well, then start today. So I just want people to know that there's not like, oh, man, I missed my chance. You never missed your chance. Today's the best day to take that plunge and to do it. So because like I said, none of us can go back 10 years ago and, you know, be one of the first people on Instagram or YouTube or whatever. So mm -hmm. today is the best day to act. Like what you're doing, you know, oh, it would have been great to do a podcast when the iPod came out, but – they weren't popular and that, you know, so, or yeah. Yeah, that stinks, but guess what? The best day to do it was when you did it back in the summer or six months ago, or whatever. So that was the best day. And if you didn't do it then, well, the best day is today. So 
you don't want to keep waiting in the future, but yeah, it's just exciting. It's exciting time to be alive. There's plenty of room for everybody online. And if you stick with it enough, you work hard enough, you'll be able to find a way to make a living doing it. And if nothing else, you'll meet great people along the way and figure out what you want to do. So yeah, I think that's really good. I really like how you said that like, there's enough room for all of us. I listened to a podcast. It's called the happy hour by Jamie Ivy. And that was kind of one of the first ones that I listened to. I really like the storytelling that's in there and the, the passions that are picked up and kind of inspired me to do this. But she always says in her podcast, she's like, when people tell me that they're starting a podcast or somebody says, oh, so-and-so starting a podcast and they want to see, they, they say like, oh, I'm so sorry. It's going to be so hard for you now. And she says, no, it's not hard for me. I'm so glad you're starting a podcast because it's like the same thing you're saying. It's your voice. It's your uniqueness that yeah. and your personality being into this. And I really, really like how, how you highlighted that. There's no bad time to start. I mean, yeah. It would have been great if you could do it, you know, when it first began or whatever. But if you just sit and say, I wish I had done it and don't do anything, then nothing's going to happen. You know? Exactly. And, and that's the biggest thing I feel like I encounter with people when I tell them that or, you know, and then they make the comment like that. It's like, no, one, you're unique. People will gravitate towards you. Your voice needs to be heard. You're of the utmost importance and value. So share yourself with us because there's nobody else like you and there won't be anybody else like you. And then two, yeah, it's like quit making excuses. None of us were here 10 years ago for that. Just go ahead and do it. Take the plunge. That's the other thing. Just take a chance. Take a risk. You're never going to get anywhere being complacent and stuck with where you're currently at. So like I said, I don't have it all figured out. I'll be the first person to tell you that. But I'll be the first person too. when you share something like that. Like I'll be your biggest fan, right? I'm not going to say, oh, yeah, should have started five years ago. You know, I'll say that's exciting. What can I do? How can I share it? What, what can we do? You know. How do you need a, somebody in your life to rally around you and cheer you on? So, yeah, I love hearing that. But, yeah, in a nutshell, there's plenty of room at the table. Everybody can eat. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Sounds like Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, so I have one final question for you as we close our time, and I ask all my podcast guests this, and it's what's fueling you today and what's fueling your passion? So this could be anything for um a uh, new coffee drink, maybe a new review, maybe some new baby products that you guys are discovering. What is fueling you today? That's a great question. When I first read that, I was thinking it was like, what's fueling me in my passion? So I, I thought I was going to answer that like, well, you know, specific goals I have and like dreams that I'm working towards. But now I'm looking at the question a little differently now. What specifically is kind of fueling me? That's so funny. I haven't, haven't made a lot of time to watch <laughs> like a lot of TV. And honestly, I've neglected this year reading so far and, and most of last year just because I've been so busy and engrossed with this. I mean, that's really bothered me a lot that I haven't made the time. I think if I'd answer what's fueling me today in regards to my passion, it's just the excitement of being a bigger channel online and being ushered into new opportunity because each and every day is a new slate in regards to what opportunities there are. So every day I get up and I check my inbox, you never know what's going to be in there. Is there going to be, you know, this really cool brand that I want to work with in a new product or is it, yeah, there's just, I don't, I don't know who's going to message me to contact me to partner together. You just, there's so many different things that get me excited to get up in the morning that I just can't wait to get going to work because it has to get done. And, and I can, I just, I know what the future holds in the sense of, there's other people that have already set the path before me so I can find the other bigger YouTubers in my industry and see where they're at and be like, I'm going to keep working because that's what I want to get to. And I know what I'm going to do differently than them. And, you know, that's why I want to get to that point because I can take things to a whole new level and maybe even help kind of set the industry in another trajectory. But in regards to a specific book or podcast or a coffee drink, you'll laugh at this. My actual fuel is I just drink water. <laughs> <laughs> so... I drink, I don't know, I got a little 25 ounce water bottle and I drink that all the time. So water's what fuels me or decaf coffee. And I'm really basic, just Folgers decaf or Dunkin' Donuts decaf. But I guess maybe I should end on what fuels me is shave ice. That oh might, yeah. Uh... Do you still have that machine? Oh yeah. Yeah. I've actually since upgraded. So you oh, can check out that nice. video online too. But yeah, my goal now with that machine, I was, I was laughing at this, but when we have our kid and the kid's old enough, I want to be the house on the street or on the block where all the kids want to come to and hang out. I so, think you will be. Yeah, I was like the shave ice machine. The shave ice machine solidifies that, but I got to keep, you know, gathering some other things so it can be the cool place for the kids to come hang out. So, 
you know, we can get to know our kid better and also know their friends. Yeah, well, I think the way things are going for you, I think you'll get some good partnerships that, yeah. will, give you, that will help with that, I'm sure. Yeah, you know what, too, while you said that, I've yet to get any sort of partnership for anything shave ice related, even though I've reviewed those two machines. I think that's partially because, oh. like, I don't know. I don't think there's that many brands out there. I don't really know, but it does kind of crack me up that of all the stuff I do, I, usually I can tell, okay, if I take a new product I've never done before, like a woman's hair dryer, like I had my wife do one of those the other day. It wasn't long, maybe two or three days later, I was getting requests for like a wax warmer and other things from different people. And I was like, why? Oh, okay, I can... like in the same genre. Yeah, yeah, I can pinpoint right where that came back to because the only way they could have found me was, you know, that video. So, but yeah, what's fueling me today? I guess shave ice. <laughs> awesome. That's so good. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast today, David. Yeah, Audrey, I really appreciate you having me. And as I reflect back on my time at Moody, I'm just so grateful and thankful that I knew you and that I have a lot of great memories uh, hanging out with you and Lauren at uh, Chestnut 1008. And I'm just, just blessed and thankful for your friendship. And yeah, I'm just excited to see where you go in the future and what's in store for you. And I'm here for you as well, cheering you on. And I'm just looking forward to see how you grow and and what your life becomes because it's been a great journey with you so far. Awesome. Thank you so much, David. Friends, I have loved our conversation with David. It has been so interesting to see David's journey of figuring out what he was interested in and what he was passionate about. Taking his interests and hobbies of many things, such as tech, not wanting to, knowing he didn't want to work that nine to five job life, and then channeling all of this into creating Digital David. For myself, as the creator of this podcast, I loved hearing some bits of encouragement and wisdom for David at the end of the interview. I loved when he shared the idea about never stop learning, about always be interested in something and researching something and looking into something. And I think that in the creative space and media space, we can often look around and see that there are other people doing very similar things to something we might want to do, such as starting a podcast. And it can be very discouraging at times to see someone else doing what you'd be interested in doing and thinking, oh, they're already doing it better than I am. But I love David's encouragement about how it's never too late to join the game and how there's enough room for everyone at the table here. I hope that we were all encouraged today about how David created his business and job from his interests and hobbies that he was genuinely already pursuing. My prayer for you is that you consider what God has for you and what he might be leading you to. Hey friends, thanks again for giving the No Wrong Turns pod a listen. Can you consider helping me out and giving us a rating and review on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or YouTube? basically whatever platform you're using to listen. That would be super helpful and it really helps other people to be able to see the podcast when they're searching in the app. Thanks in advance. As always, our podcast was edited by our podcast editor, Sophia Botte, social media managed by Olivia Botte, and you can check out our show notes to see the music credits.